Welcome to another episode of the Awareness Advantage Podcast, where leaders who are good at getting stuff done become great leaders to influence and inspire people. I'm your U.S. co-host and best-selling author, Kevin McCarthy, joined by my good friend, Canadian business partner, and best-selling author, Licky Labji. If you have not yet done so, click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, the Awareness Advantage Podcast. Look, I've been talking about uh, this concept of limiting beliefs. I have a question. Is it a fair assumption to say that most people have a limiting belief of some sort or another? Kevin, let's define limiting beliefs before we go there. Any narrative that goes through your mind that becomes a barricade and holds you back or maybe even just haunts you. I'm not good enough. I can't. I don't have a college degree. I therefore can't compete, right? You name it. It can be, be anything. It could be a lot of things. It could be many things. I don't deserve success. There you go. I'm just a failure. You know, all those kind of thought processes, right? People are always mean to me. That's an absolute combined with a limiting belief, by the way. <laughs> what are some limiting beliefs? Let's, let's create a word cloud around this subject. It shows up for me when I've, when I've tried, really put a concerted effort in to try and move the goalpost or move the line, and then it doesn't happen no matter how the efforts and then the, the doubts come in or the, my, my self-talk tends to change then, right? Like maybe I just will never get this. Maybe I should just leave this and move to something else or change. So it show. I guess maybe the way I'd put it is it shows up when, when I'm under pressure or when that failure starts to look like failure. Cause that was my big thing growing up was a fear of failure. And Mark, good, good analogy there now, does your reaction and your actions, are they exaggerated from a normal behavior? And then you're like, okay, hang on a second, what's happening here? And then you can go back into it. Is that what you're saying? Well, certainly today I can, I can see it quicker and address it and change it faster. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, you know, dwell on the negative for very long anymore, but, but I, but yes, I, I start to see it. I start to have kind of give up language coming out of my mouth. I find. I find uh, my thoughts are kind of, I get moody and, and probably a little bit pouty or I get quiet because <laughs> I'm normally a talker, right? So I get quiet, uh, I think. And so when I'm, when I'm feeling that, my wife and I have come up with the pat, you know, the code word is like, I feel off today. She knows what that means. <laughs> and so it doesn't last long, but it, I have to talk myself through it. I can't just leave it and hope that it goes away. I have to actually f do something about it. I had a limiting belief show up just, uh, in Curacao, actually. The irony of the, uh, the story is that I was hired or I wanted, uh, somebody wanted to hire me to do a keynote in Denver, which I'm doing at the end of this month. And, uh, so we had a zoom call. Turns out, uh, you know, the, uh, the woman who I was having the Zoom call, who's the head, you know, making decision for the keynotes, tells me that she won't be there because she's out of the country, 
her and her husband out on sabbatical for a year. And I was like, oh, where are you going? Where are you? And she said, well, we're in Curacao. I said, oh, that's funny. I'm about to head down there. I'm two weeks from coming down to Curacao for a month. So the first time we met, she's a best-selling author, now a best-selling author on Amazon, but she's a best-selling author on Wall Street Journal list. That's much, much bigger. And she is a PhD and she has done all these peer review articles in this line of work that I do and that Licky and I do. She wrote a book called Inclusify, which is about include, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, but it's very much in line with what we teach and what we're all about because it's all mind shifts, mindset shifts and so forth. So I was excited to meet with her, but at the same time I was nervous because I'm like, I feel like a total fraud because <laughs> she's actually done all this research at university level for all these many years and has all these degrees, and all this peer review stuff. And I just came out of prison and started researching on my own and I don't have a degree. So, so I had to deal with that, but, uh, it, it, you know, it's, uh, it was kind of a, as far as a feeling, it was sort of a little bit of a, a small feeling, right? Just feeling a little inadequate. Um, but when we met, we actually became instant friends. And so now we're, now we're good friends. We spent some time with her and her husband and, uh, and I realized that was really my own limiting belief that had nothing to do with anything. Uh, in fact, she just recently referred a, a client to Licky and I because of our expertise, which blew me away. It's like, why don't you do it? <laughs> Cause we do something different uh, than she does. And she recognized the value of that. So. Okay, I guess uh, you spark something there because it. I wonder. The question is: Is maybe comparison a way of spotting a limiting belief? If we're trying to find assess one, maybe it's when we start to compare because uh, it's interesting. Because I mm -hmm. feel the same way around you two. About that, because you guys are like you're doing things that I want to get to. So I, if I compare, I could some limiting beliefs could come out pretty quickly rather than seeing myself as a peer. Right. So that yeah. I wonder if that comparison thing is worth a discussion. That's a really insightful, uh, insightful comment. And it's interesting to hear from my perspective that you kind of put these two on a higher plane than you, because the things that you have come up with, by yourself, like we have in the past called the mic drop moments, right? It's like, and now mark for a mic drop moment. <laughs> so it's interesting to hear from this perspective that that you actually have that that thing. And comparison, I think, is a really big part of this whole limiting belief thing. I find in uh, you know, professionally, my lack of you know, I'm, I'm have a couple degrees. I have just a business degree. I'm, I'm short of ABA. I have professional designations, but they're from the certified Institute of management. They're not, you know, um, had to go to school for them, but I see them as so much less. So due to my education, I find that I put myself lower and therefore have these limiting beliefs. The first time I was approached for a, uh, a promotion, I was going from like an accounts payable clerk or whatever the heck I was at the time. And they said, we would like you to lead the 
transportation department looking after these rail cars. You're going to be in charge of the plants in Pincher Creek and you're going to be doing all this stuff. And I was, I looked at them and I said, me? Like, what are you kidding? <laughs> Is there a hidden camera? You know, like, am I being punked? Because of my limiting belief that my education and my background, where I've come from, it's like, wow, man, I'm just a, I'm just a welfare kid from the wrong side of the tracks. And you want to, you want to give me this promotion. And I've been successful in my career, but I've always felt like the welfare kid on the wrong side of the tracks with not enough education. And you're right, Mark, like it is comparison and it is limiting beliefs a hundred percent. And I continue to take promotions and have great jobs and great careers and, you know, but, um, Definitely this stuff plays at the back of my mind always. It's always with me. Now, how to what to do about it, like Licky said in the beginning. That's what I want to know. <laughs> Where do you go from here? I'm curious, Mr. Gordon. Comparison. And I'm following you and I get it. But I'm curious to know, would or could you categorize that comparison into... I'm not good enough, or I'm not like them, or I don't have, right? Which are all strong. Well, there's a lot of things in that, but they're all strong limiting belief statements. So is it really the comparison or does it come back to the bottom line of why you're comparing yourself to another? And that limiting belief is not necessarily the comparison, but the thing that's led to the comparison. Yeah, I, I, I'll take that point. My, my point was, is comparison a way of identifying you have a limiting belief? So it's, it, it, it just, it's pointing to the deeper issue that you say it's absolutely rooted in the fact that maybe I don't think that I'm good enough or I don't have enough education or I haven't had the breaks other people have or whatever it is. Right. So I think, I think, uh, I was looking for ways that we could find, uh, or recognize limiting beliefs because most of the time we don't know we have them. We don't know that they're affecting us negatively. We just think that that's the reality, but one of the ways you overcome that is by realizing that very thing. There, the fact is that there is no one else that can be me and no one else that can be Sue or you or any of us, right? So it's not even the, uh, our skill level. It's, it's the unique blend of our skill level, our personality, our, our giftings, our hard work. It, it, there's a lot more factors that go into it. And so then you have to shift yourself into those things to get out of that. But my, my thing was I just wanted to talk, maybe have other ideas too about what are some ways we can recognize limiting beliefs because if we don't recognize them, we won't address them. Yeah, so that's great, Mark. Thank you. Um, so the question to come back to all of you is how do you recognize limiting beliefs? Because the, the biggest thing you need to understand is when things are not normal, an emotion or a trigger or a physical sensation starts happening in your body. Like it really does. When things are not exactly the way they're supposed to be and it's getting uncomfortable, it could be that I'm not good enough, could be I don't matter, I can't afford to lose, I don't know how. All these things start happening. There's something that's happening in your body, physical sensation and an emotional trigger. Can you be aware of those? And then start identifying what's happening because we don't know exactly what's happening in our body. Our mind's a real funny little piece of, matter in our heads, right? That keeps on going on different narratives and different stories, but something is actually physically happening. And how do you stop 
to really realize and identify. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now, back to the program. I want to anchor that. I want to anchor that. It's cognitive dissonance. So you feel something off, right? It's this dissonance going on inside of you um, because we want to be in this homeostasis place where we're, everything's peaceful, everything's calm, everything's normal. But the, the minute it's not, this is where self-awareness needs to kick in, right? The minute it's not, what do you do about that? Oftentimes we'll just breeze right on past it, right? Because we're just not in a state of awareness or will react without thinking. But, you know, so yeah, like your point is spot on. It's like, what do you, how do you identify? How do you stop long enough to identify what, what's going on here? And why is it happening? Excellent. The, the interesting part is things like, I don't matter, right? That's one of my big ones. I don't matter. That's, that's why I feel. And when I'm in a conversation with my partner or with my wife and I'm not, I'm not heard, like if I'm trying to say something and I get interrupted, I don't get a chance to finish my conversation, all of a sudden I don't matter kicks in and my emotion level gets up and I start not getting angry, but like, what's going on? Like, why are you not listening to me? I can see my escalation happening. It starts to really, and I can easily see it happening. Like if I was sitting outside going, okay, crap, Lucky, you're going there. And now I'm noticing it. And it's not that they're not listening to me. It's that I'm actually pushing my agenda because I don't matter. So I'm trying to prove myself I matter. I'm in the opposite. But being aware of that, I mean, hey, we're not perfect. It doesn't always go that way. It'll escalate, escalate, escalate. Then I'll be like, oh crap, yeah. That I don't matter crap showed up again. I want to jump on that before we switch gears too quick because um, you just triggered something <clears throat> that I'm uh, working with a client on. She has a boss who continually just dominates conversations, talks over the, the uh, team members. She challenged him uh, at one point in a conversation, uh, you know, in a private conversation. And he's like, well, I need to control the narrative. That was his term. You know, I feel like I need to control the narrative. And, and, uh, and she's like, well, that's not how you do it. <laughs> in my opinion, you don't bully people, talk over people and, and uh, devalue people. because That's exactly what's happening. But I share that because what you just said, like he, when he does that, how many limiting beliefs are being triggered by the people that are listening? Uh, you know, how many people are now feeling something? They don't know what they're feeling. They're just saying, you know, upset with him. They might be feeling devalued, but what's, where's the real limiting belief behind that? That's creating all these reactions, these attitudes, right? So as you know, as we try to uncover our own limiting beliefs, be cognizant, I guess, bringing this back to the workplace, be cognizant that how we come across sometimes triggers other people's limiting beliefs. And we can maybe have a little bit more empathy and compassion and recognize, oh, what's going on here? Right. How can I, how can I help? Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, that, that is true, isn't it? It's our behaviors that trigger other people's limiting beliefs. Are we aware of that? First of all. Mm -hmm. And then when the, when the other person's living belief is actually triggered, 
how do they know it's triggered and how can they step back and say, this is actually happening and occurring right now? One of the practices I've been doing is I actually shared with my partner, I feel I don't matter when this happened. I actually shared my limiting belief. Doesn't mean that she has to change the way she behaves, but it just knows that I get triggered. And by me naming it and saying it out loud, I'm more conscious of it as well. And then the other part is, I do matter. That's a narrative shift that I'm working on. So, you know, think about your limiting belief you put on that this sheet right now. Think about where it comes into play and how often it comes into play. And then also think about the physical sensation that's occurring for you. I think as soon as we start to pick up on the reactive, right, we're, we're reflecting afterwards, it gets easier and easier and easier to catch it as it's moving into the moment. And I can, I can speak to, to last night with, with my wife, having a conversation about a very specific topic and the way the conversation went, and it was just very good, open conversation, but part of where this went was you said, then you said, and I immediately was like ready to react. I don't think you understood. I don't think I, whatever, right? And I stopped and I'm like, I don't think this is a great time to continue this conversation. I need to think about what I said first and then what I said second. And I need to process where I misaligned to help me understand the way I wanted to respond versus help me make you understand what I'm saying. And it was the end of the conversation on that specific topic. My wife's like, yep, you're right. And we didn't come back to the conversation because I seriously was still trying to figure out what I said first and what I said second and why they didn't line up. And it's a conversation that I, it's, it's knowledge I have. I just, I, I don't know where the disconnect happened. I'm still trying to figure that out, but, but I Randall, caught it in its moment. Yeah, yes. the Randall, this, actually what happened, does it really matter? Because it's the internal conversation that's going on for you that got you to that spot. Totally. And that's the, I'm not good enough. That's the, the hypocrisy in it, right? You said, but you said, and something in what you said doesn't align with something else that you said and the inner critic, the inner fail, the inner hypocrisy, whatever line you want to put it on, it all falls in the same house. And I don't like being wrong. Yeah. Because being wrong means failure. Yeah. It means imposter. It means I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm weak. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because my worth is attached to things that it doesn't necessarily have to be attached to. That's a really good point, Randall. And what came up when you were saying that is that if we actually do give up on that conversation, are we validating somebody else's thoughts that they have at some point told us that you're not good enough and you're not smart enough? And so by giving up into that, you're validating what somebody may have told you and have you ended up having that limiting belief. Or are you confronting it by being able to stop and recognize in the moment that it happened and where, you know, the, the, the self-reflection and the time to ponder where that belief came up and what it was doing mm -hmm. and why it landed there in the first place. Yeah. So is it validating? I think so. But I think it's validating the moment where it started. Yeah, not validating the other person and the limiting belief that you learned from it, wherever it showed up in your life or wherever it initially made its its place known and, and got comfortable. I think it's validating that you know it's there. 
right? And that you become more and more familiar with it. And the more familiar you become with it, the easier it is to dissect it and really get to the root of it. I don't know. Like, I'm just thinking that if, let's say somebody said you were not smart enough and you were in a conversation and you sort of got into this thing where you had to defend yourself that you are right in what you're saying, are you not, if you give into that, are you not validating somebody saying you're not smart enough? But when you give into it in that specific circumstance, you said defend. Right. I now feel in, in, that, in, the, in that response, I feel you're not listening to me. You're not validating what I know is knowledge or true or actual fact. And you likely, you've put me into a position where I need to, I feel I need to defend. I probably don't need to have this conversation. And that is years of work. I don't have to defend myself against another person. That's a reaction I do not need to have. I will sit, I will listen through whatever you're saying. And if the conversation is healthy, I can validate what you're saying. I can take it in and go, I did say, or I did do what I meant was, and, and work through reframing it. But in the moment, if I have to defend and I reaction and my reaction is going to go, you know, the way like you went, you're going to get angry. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get louder. Louder leads to boisterous and obnoxious and all those other things that have such very negative connotation to it. I'll stop. It's not worth my time because it's going to sit with me and affect me in a far different way. You're going to walk away and I'm still going to be standing here holding on to that whole conversation. So equal playing field. I'll just seize the conversation. You were not in a position to hear me. I'm not in a position to defend. Let's move on to a new topic or let's, let's just be done. Ash in there. I love it. Thanks for sharing that ramble. And I love how you shared the, uh, first of all, kudos for catching yourself in that conversation with your wife. Uh, and, uh, and two is, uh, just the fact that you, uh, you said, you know, years of therapy. I mean, it's like, frankly, all of us can use therapy, everybody, 100%. like there is nobody that's not worthy of going and, and getting with a, a professional counselor. Um, and that's where we, you know, we never want to cross lines in this group or setting to, uh, say that, you know, there's times when you just need to go to a counselor, really work through, you know, stuff, but there are some tools that we can, you know, bring forth to help with these. And one of them is the one you just mentioned, Randall, uh, in, inadvertently, which is you, you need to pause. You need to identify, uh oh, something's happening here. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm not liking the feeling. What is this feeling? You have to, so you have to then pause at that point. You remember STP? I think I've talked about it over the last couple of years, but, uh, stop, think and proceed deliberately. So stop temporarily might just take a second. You know, it might take a 24 hours, it might take a week, whatever it is, stop the process so that you can sit and, and really sit in the, the moment, sit in the, in the feeling and, and understand what that is and then think deeply and by that is like get out of i think mark said it a couple weeks ago it's like you have to start asking curious questions you know get out of the emotional automatic system one and kick ourselves into this rational thinking system two right so i feel something i don't know what's going on here i need to stop let's pause i need to reflect i need to understand what's going on so i can start asking questions and then I can proceed deliberately. Now I don't have to react. I can actually proceed by making rational choices. What is the appropriate action or reaction to this particular event? And when you're thinking the, you know, what is the feeling that's where it all starts. And that's the, that's the 
core premise of self-awareness, right? What is the feeling? You know, we haven't gotten too much into the emotions, wheels and, and so forth, but you know, at least what's the base feeling, like the main primary feelings, happy, sad, you know, uh, good, bad, angry, you know, whatever, what are the, you know, what are you feeling? And then start asking those questions. Why am I feeling this? What is the trigger here? Something they said, I mean, it's not their fault you're feeling it, but something they said, something they did, some approach, some total intonation might be triggering what's going on inside of you. So, okay, what's the trigger here? And then why is that a trigger? You know, start asking a lot of who, what, where, when, why questions, right? You know, why is that a trigger? Um, when, gosh, when did that start? Like when, you know, oh, this has been a thread of my life. Yeah, I recognize this, this trigger. Hmm. Well, now that I understand it, I get the feeling. I, I, I recognize the trigger. Maybe I can figure out when this trigger came into play and reset it. It's like, ah, yes, my dad told me I was a worthless piece of blank. And that's how I can, why I always feel like a worthless piece of blank. My dad didn't do that. This is an example. And now we can reframe that and create a, a new narrative. And this sounds simple, but it's not. <laughs> it's a process. It's hard work. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now, back to the program. The other yeah. thing, I mean, Kevin's talking a lot about emotions and feelings, but also think about physical sensations that happen. I, if I, I don't know if anybody has a Garmin watch or a Fitbit, my Garmin watch actually tells me I'm stressed. And I set the sensitivity to really low. So the moment my heart rate goes up by 10% in, within the minute, it tells me you're stressed. So sometimes we're so deep into this emotion that we're not able to understand what's happening. But, oh yeah, okay, I'm getting stressed. Why am I getting stressed? Why is my heart rate going up? Okay. Stop. Just thinking about all of that, looking at different options on what's going on makes a big difference and being real and realizing that there is a shift happening in your behavior and it's coming from the past. Um, I will share a story. So fear of being alone, jealousy, two big things for me. And Randall, as you, the therapist made a huge difference. We went and sat, I sat through my session with her and she asked me a simple question. She goes, like, you think about a time before eight years old where you felt alone. And it took like just milliseconds to remember that. I was right in that moment. It was when I was about five years old, we were sitting in this place in, in our, um, house in Pakistan where it's a Sunday afternoon where there's a communal family home at that point where we had uncles and aunts and their kids all watching a movie 
and my dad had passed away. So my dad wasn't there and my mom was busy cooking and I'm sitting there by myself. Number one, alone. Number two, why are those kids being cuddled with their parents? Jealousy. I got out of that seat. I went and hid under a dining table where my dad's picture was on the living room and I started crying and missing my dad. Alone, number three. I'm sitting there. My mom comes and says, oh, get up. Let's go. Don't be silly. Let's go sit with the family and eat. Don't matter. My feelings don't matter. I can't be vulnerable and share how I'm feeling. Zip it. That one moment that the therapist took me to made me realize all these strange things. Now, it's up to me to think about that. It was an action. Now, can I let it go? Yes, I can let it go, but it still shows up. So now I know when jealousy shows up, fear of alone, vulnerability shows up, now I know why, and now I have a choice how to react to it. So we've got some incredible coaches here. We're coaches. Coaches can get you out of that. If you're in that spot, this is where we are really clear on therapy work versus coaching work. Once you can get to a point of understanding where and why, what that trauma was, coaches can help you move forward from it. So that's the disclaimer that we won't take you into that spot. You know, we'll try and take you a little bit, but we won't touch it. One of this conversation again is understanding the root cause of your emotion and your beliefs will help you like let it go. And getting there is not easy. And the work that I've done over the last few years, vulnerability is number one now. Like I, I have no, I'm not even afraid of vulnerability anymore. I don't really care. I'll sit here and cry if I need to. I, that's, it's not even an issue anymore, but that's a lot of work that it took to get there. So let's uh, think about, and we'd love to hear from all of you, what your thoughts are on how to resolve when you're in that mode. You're in that mode of that emotion is kicking in. You're feeling it. What are you going to do? How are you going to move out of that situation? I think, Lakey, I'm going to reference back to your, your post yesterday or day before and about being overwhelmed. First step is knowing you're there, right? Everything after that is unpacking in a moment and being able to, to either back away or, or pause it, right? STP, we go through those processes. It's only then that you can actually do the work in the area because we just keep putting a bandaid over it and it'll show up again and again and again. And if we don't do the work, it will show up the same way it's always showed up. As you said that, Randall, one thing that came up for me is when you're starting to blame others or judging others' behaviors and don't like something about others in that conversation, stop and think about what your role is in that. Stop and think what that emotion you're going through that's causing you not to like that person or what they're saying. To quote a really bad movie title, The Mirror Has Two Faces. Yeah, because we, we, we create narratives really easily, right? That person did this to me, and it's normally or usually or could be, and I hate using absolutes here, it could be your limiting beliefs that's making that judgment. And it goes to, uh, well, Mark said earlier, you know, full circle here, but what Mark said earlier about the comparison, right? We can, we can recognize if we, if we recognize, Hey, I'm comparing, maybe that's a, a sign 
you know, that we should look in, look, look a little deeper. What's really going on here? Maybe the same thing with the, um, you know, the judgment, you know, if we cast judgment on somebody, it's okay, wait a minute. Now let me back up. Why am I blaming them? Why am I judging them? Why am I angry with them? Why am I right? It's just, maybe that's another sign that we can look to just say, maybe I've got something else I got to deal with. Well, limiting beliefs are certainly a filter, right? So if, if somebody else is saying something to you, you could completely mishear it. Yeah. And you're going to, you're going to make assumptions. You're going, yeah, you're, you're going, you mishear it easily, uh, misperceive what's going on. So total, total filter. Evan, can we have some fun right now? I hate to put you on the spot. Can we oh. create a new, can we create a new mentee? What do you, what do you want? I, uh, I want a new mentee saying, like I, I wrote down, not good enough. I'm going to write down, I am good enough. And I do matter. I'd like all of you to go back and reframe and re-narrative a new narrative for your own living belief on a positive of it. And that's, a, that's another way of uh, shifting out of that mode that you're in. Love it. I matter. I am strong. Two of the biggest ones there in the middle. Yeah. I can do this. It's okay to be me. Love it. I am worthy. I will learn what I need. Yes, I am smart enough. Interesting how just shifting that narrative can change things, right? And, you know, if you want some takeaways, I mean, I'll, I'll give a couple. I'd love to hear from you before we wrap up. Identify, stop, and you can actually stop. You can stop midstream in a conversation. And I do this quite often just to say, hmm, that's what's happening. I'm going to move forward now. Sorry, I changed. Something happened. I need to regroup, take a pause, whatever's going on. And then reframe on an ongoing basis. Uh, one of the things I work with my clients is affirmations. If you don't think you're good enough, I am good enough. Every two freaking hours. The analogy I use is this water jug will be finished in 15 minutes. If I don't refill it, I'm going to be dehydrated. So what makes us think that we can go on an entire day without refilling our own love and our own selves? Why do we feel that we can keep on giving to the world and taking all this abuse without really filling ourselves with it? We need to do that. And that starts with looking at yourself and saying, I am good enough. I do matter. And keep on saying it. It sounds silly. I don't know if anybody done affirmations. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did they work? <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Thank God. I thought I was being silly. I thought I wasn't smart enough for a second. Hey, just put those affirmations we just came up with in the chat window. So download those. Some of you might even benefit from putting them as your screensaver or your background on your computer and print it out, hang it next to your desk. Five of what you last more positive. Yes. I love that, uh, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, I just I, I use that sometimes, and so I had it in my in my uh, reminders list, and it came to mind while we were talking. Um, there's actually a scientific or brain mat science reason why those I am statements work because you're creating new neural pathways, and you're you're remember that remember the year a while back where I talked about the, the principle of disbursement. If you have a glass, that same bottle of water, you put one little blue dye in it, it's going to turn the whole water blue. 
So that's what negative statements do. And so uh, positive statements replace them, that you put new water in until all the old water disperses. And so I am statements work because you're actually retraining your brain and you need to do it out loud. Your, your mind actually not needs to hear it. So, um, and if you stand in front of a mirror, it's uncomfortable, but it's even better. Do those I am statements every morning, have a list of five on your mirror and just, uh, say them out loud. And, uh, I don't, you know, I always say, don't fake it till you make it, declare it until you believe it. All right. Well, hey, keep uh, keep those affirmations in front of you. Keep challenging your feelings, your thoughts, and your actions, and uh, make it another great week. Until next week, we'll see you soon. You all make it a great week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Awareness Advantage podcast brought to you weekly by the leadership team at Blind Spots Global, a multinational, multicultural leadership development organization specializing in transforming managers who are good at getting stuff done into great leaders who can influence and inspire others to achieve their best. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so now so you will never miss an episode. If you would like to join our live virtual studio audience and participate in the conversations, visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. We hope to see you there.